We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. When they did show the bedroom, they showed two twin beds and they were both fully clothed. I remember commercials. Didn't have to worry about them. I remember a search commercial. They showed this couple and they, they said uh, two and two. Two searches in one. Remember that? And just before the couple kissed, they showed the certs. Didn't even show the kiss. But the sands of time have shifted to where now even commercials are so racy. I mean, the only way now you can sell a hamburger is to have a woman in a bikini all soaked up on a car. I don't, how does that sell a hamburger? I don't know. And most of our commercials, we can't watch them anymore. We're constantly having to figure out. Television shows have become so much right in your face. Because the sands of time have shifted, our culture has shifted, and I'm afraid if the church is not careful, we can become so overwhelmed by the shifting of the sands that we will find ourselves shifting without even realizing it. I remember a guy by the name of Paul Harvey. How many remember him? People listened to him every day for decades. He had a catchphrase that said, and now you know the rest of the story. Paul Harvey did a talk one day. It was entitled, If I Were the Devil. So I want you to listen to this this morning. This was posted in 1965. And Paul Harvey had this view. If I were the devil. So listen to what he said in 1965. If I were the devil. If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The. So I set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with bills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect the discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, 
you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want it until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. What'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. just a few short years. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 through 5 says this, but mark this. That's important when the word of God says that, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. We are in a time of a lot of shifting sand. Sunday before last, in my message, I talked about the degradation of prayer and the reading of God's Word. So we have a challenge in our church every day at 10.20 a.m. And at 10.20 p.m., we pray one minute. If we do this, we will be praying more than the average Christian prayers. I challenge you to read one scripture a day, one a day. If we do that, we will be reading more scripture than the average Christian. Our sands have shifted. The average Christian attends church less than 26 times a year. And most of the time for less than an hour. We are shifting. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. And I believe we're there. I believe we're there. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and aside to myths. We are seeing that in the church world today. 
We are seeing that where we want to hear messages that just make us feel good. I just want to feel good. That's why I go to church. Hey, listen, church should make you feel good. I feel great this morning. I'm in church worshiping with my brothers and sisters. But I believe also church should be a place to challenge us in our spiritual walk with God so that we can grow and become mature. We do not need to continually feed on milk. But we need the meat of the word to sustain us. But today if pastors preach the meat of the word, then the pastor is concerned because he will then be called intolerant, bigoted, judgmental, narrow-minded. But honestly, the truth is none of those. When Paul told Timothy to preach the word, he is telling him we need to have truth. Because truth is what sets people free. We need truth today. And so the word that keeps getting thrown back at the church is the church needs to be tolerant. I believe in tolerance. I believe that we should be tolerant with all people. I do. But tolerance does not mean that we are not to speak the truth. We speak truth in love because there are truths that are our solid rock truths that never shift. They are not sand. They are solid rock. And they will not change no matter what the culture. Tolerance is awesome, but not at the expense of biblical convictions. And the church is becoming very quiet about biblical convictions. How many of us would go to the doctor and say, just choose any artery? How many of us would go to a pharmacist and say, just any pill back there will work? Just choose one. And yet, that is the way people are choosing where to go to church today. Well, they're all good. No, they're not. Well, they all tell the truth. No, they don't. Because today, people want to gather so that their ears can be tickled. So that there's no real truth, but it just makes me feel good. Listen, I feel good because I'm clean. Doesn't it feel good to get a good hot shower and a hot bath and be clean? Tolerance and truth can go together hand in hand. If my grandchildren are running out into an intersection and there's cars that are going 50 miles an hour in both directions, because I love my grandchildren, I would shout, Stop! You're going to get hurt. If I as a pastor love you and I see you heading into dangerous situations, I am going to shout, stop. You're going to get hurt. 
Because I love you. In our society today, we are losing, we're losing biblical truths. The average Christian cannot give you biblical truth about current topics in our society today. And so let me go back a little bit and talk about culture. Because instead of the church affecting culture, culture is now affecting the church. The enemy is whispering. Did God really say that? To most of our couples today, to most of our young people today, did God really say that? How many of you are familiar with Hananiah, Mishkel, or Azariah? How many of you know those guys? Great guys. Well, I think you know them. You just Bible and turn to Daniel chapter 1 verses 3 through 6 it says this then the king ordered Apanes king of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility now look at verse 4 these are young men without physical defect they are handsome showing aptitude for every kind of learning well informed quick to understand qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishkel, Azariah. The Israelites are being taken captive by the Babylonians. The Israelites have a culture of worshiping Jehovah, God. The Babylonians have a culture that is so the opposite. They have so many other gods and so many other cultural things that are relevant to their culture. And so what the king does is a very smart thing. I'm going to take the cream of the crop, the best men of the Israelites. He found four of them. He's going to take them out of their culture, bring them over here to his culture, He's going to trade them for three years. These were the best. I mean, these were strong, had no physical defect. They had an aptitude for learning. They were very smart, very beautiful, handsome young men. And he puts them over here and he goes, we're going to teach them our language, teach them our culture. And what his plan was, these are going to then go back and they will influence the entire nation of Israel. It's a powerful plan that I'm sure has worked Many, many times. Look at verse number 7. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Now, how many of you know these three men? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, who's now going to be called Belteshazzar. Why was he changing their names? Because their names had to do with their God and their worship. Everything in the Israelite community had to do with God and worship. Even your name reflected that. So he wanted to come over here, remove every influence of the Israelite culture by renaming them so that when their name was called, they would not think about Jehovah. 
shifting of saints. But verse 8 in chapter 1, but Daniel resolved, resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Daniel was a young man. It doesn't matter what his name is. It could be Daniel. It could be Belteshazzar. It doesn't matter. But I have some convictions. I am going to draw a line in the sand. I am resolved that I will not defile my body with the things from the king's table. Wow. Standing up to the king at the very beginning could be a very dangerous thing. But he did it because he had convictions. Today, church, we must have convictions. We must be resolved that it doesn't matter what society and culture says is permissible for our bodies, for our minds. We have to resolve, hey, listen, I'm not going to cross this line because I don't want to defile myself. It doesn't matter what society is saying, but it matters what the Word of God says. And the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is important that we draw a line in the sand before we get into situations. When I was a youth pastor, I told my youth, if you ever get in a, a bad situation, call me, I'll bail you out. I had a young man one night about 12 o'clock call me, Pastor B, yeah, Saturday night. He said, I need some help. I said, what's the matter? He said, I'm in a car. I said, that's good. I'm with my girlfriend. The windows are fogged up. I need help. I told him, at any time, call me, we'll go bowling. This young man called me. He was about to cross a line. He needed some help. So I told him, I said, okay, I'll meet you at the bowling alley. They had midnight bowling from 11 to 1 a.m. So guess what we're doing at 12.15? We're bowling. Because he resolved, I'm not going to cross a line. And he did it before he got into the situation. Today in our families, in, in our dating, in our relationship. I mean, if you're in a boardroom and all of a sudden you get into an ethical situation, you've got to resolve before you get there. Your boss may say, hey, just kind of overlook this. Don't, don't really report this or maybe change the numbers to reflect this or that. You've got to resolve ahead of time. I will not participate in anything that is not right. If it's unethical, I'm not going to do it. Our society puts so much pressure on us today in our dating relationships, in our marriage relationships, in our financial relationships, in our worship with God. And we have to resolve. I resolve on Sunday mornings. It doesn't matter whether you worship or not. I'm going to worship. It doesn't matter whether you enjoy the message or not. I'm going to enjoy it. 
Because I have resolved, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm not going to let the enemy steal my joy. I'm resolved. I have convictions. You've got to draw the line before you get into the place of gossiping about someone. A jealous rage, envy, strife, all those things. Because how does the enemy destroy the church? He whispers from the inside out. The line is drawn. So fast forward three years. Daniel chapter 1 verse 18. At the end of the three years, the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal. Can you imagine? These men decided we're not going to eat and drink from the king's table. We're going to have a diet that's been set aside by our Jehovah God. We're only going to eat and drink things in our body that God approves of. He found none to be their equal. No one was equal, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better. Isn't that the way Christians ought to be today? Ten times better than everybody else in society. Ten times better than all the magicians and the enchanters in his whole kingdom. Wow. What a payoff for having drawn a line in the sand. What a payoff for having convictions. I'm telling you today, church, if you and I have convictions, you know who, who will promote us? God will promote you. God will promote you at your job. God will promote you in your marriages. God will promote you as a parent. God will promote you as a teenager today. Why? Because I have convictions. And it's going to make me ten times better than anybody else. Daniel chapter 3, verse 7 through 12. Now we know that old Nebuchadnezzar had an ego problem. Because he built a statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide of himself. That's pretty much an egomaniac, wouldn't you say? So here's what the decree is. You know the story. As soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of idol that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward. Don't you love the astrologers? Uh, they love to whisper in the king's ear. They denounced the Jews. They said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, Hey, may the king live forever. <laughs> There's a method to getting something of what you want. Butter them up, feed the ego. Oh, king, live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And however... There's a little problem. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. And here it comes. You ready? There are some Jews whom you set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Their names, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And they pay no attention to your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. I got to tell you, when you draw a line in the sand, you get ready for reaction. 
You cannot draw a line in the sand. You cannot have convictions in our culture today without somebody coming at you in your face. If you don't believe it, just post something about God on the Facebook. Quote a scripture. And man, you're going to have all kinds of reactions coming at you. That you're intolerant, you're narrow-minded, you're homophobic, judgmental, all these things. Why? Because culture is antithetical to God. Always has been, always will be. Get ready for a reaction. Daniel chapter 3 verse 12. But there are some Jews whom you set over the affairs. You know them. They neither serve your gods or worship your gold. He said they wanted them gone. Because in chapter 1, they really, they really made them mad. Because they wouldn't eat from the king's table and drink the king's wine. If you have resolved some things in your life today, get ready for reaction. Jesus declared this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This generation... I believe more so than any generation before. And it's needed in every generation. But we need men and women. We need teenagers and children to draw a line in the shifting sand. And to say we are resolved to live our lives by the word of God. We're going to eat from God's table. We're going to drink. From God's table. And we're not going to defile ourselves. From the table of the world. The Bible says that sin is pleasurable. And all it is. If it wasn't. It wouldn't be tempting. It is pleasurable. But for a season. I believe Christians today. Ought to be ten times better. With our intellect. With the way we walk. The way we talk. The way we dress, the way we handle our affairs, the way we handle our families, the way we handle our finances, the way we handle our words, everything about us. Why? Because we have resolved to live our lives by the word of God, by every word that is written in God's word. Because I hear it more than any other generation, the enemy is saying to every person, did God really say that? Did God really say that? Wow. Did God really say that about? Yeah. He really did say it. Politicians have to be passive. Politicians are the ones who tickle your ears and tell you everything that you want to hear. Right? Preachers are not politicians. Preachers are required by God to preach the word. I don't preach Wall Street. I don't preach the front page of the newspaper. I have one book that I preach from. It's the word of God. Why? Because most people today don't hear the word. They know Wall Street. They know what's on the papers. But they don't know what's in the word. Now look at Daniel chapter 3 verse 13. Furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? He couldn't believe it. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, you guys are your physical specimens, your soul intellectual, and I value your opinion and wisdom above all the others. Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready, <laughs> I like he says that, I'm trying to let you know in advance, there's a program, it's printed up, I want you to be ready. Now, when you hear all kinds of music, what are you going to do? You're going to fall down, worship the image I made. Very good, boys. You understand what's expected. Okay? But if you don't worship it, you'll be thrown into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? You see, culture thinks that they have the final say. Culture thinks that they have the greater authority in our lives. But our lives are ruled by kingdom rules. Jesus brought kingdom principles. So if you are ready, I love that. Now verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, now see they did it with respect, honored his position. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able. What a conviction. What a line that has been drawn in the sand. If we are thrown... Our God is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. They are telling him, you may be the king. You may have a lot of authority. But we serve a God who is greater than your hand. We serve a God whose power and authority is greater than your power and authority. And then I love verse 18. But even if he does not. We want you to know your majesty. They're not being sarcastic. They're being very reverent and respectful. Your majesty, we will not serve your gods and worship the image of gold you have set up. They responded with respect. But they responded with authority. We will go in this furnace if that's what you decree. Our God is able. But if our God chooses not to, we're still going to serve Him. We're still going to follow Him because we cannot worship your cultural truths. Respect. We can tell the truth in the church today and we can shout it and still be respectful. And still be trustworthy with the Word of God. Why? Because people are going to get hurt. You want to get real hurt? Go through divorce. You want to get real hurt? Go through the issues that our culture is planning for our children to go through. For our families. It's going to hurt. That is why this pastor today is standing and shouting. Stop! Some pastors in our churches and our pulpit have got to stand with convictions again. Draw the line in the sand and say, this is a rock. Let's stand upon it. It does not shift through time. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you live your life with resolutions to the word, you will have a 
productive, happy, strong life. Respect. Colossians 4, 5, and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make it the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. That's the way it should be, right? All of us Christians should have the most grace to everybody we speak to. So that you may know how to answer everyone. I believe the church needs to speak truth, but speak it with grace. Grace, we've all messed up. Paul said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. We've all met. We all need God's grace. I need mercy every morning. That's why he gives it to me. I use it all up every day. And so do you. And that's why I can speak with grace and mercy because I experience it every day. But also know that even with all that grace and that mercy, I've still got to know the word. He was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. See, they didn't bow to culture. And that's what this is all about. Peer pressure, culture, coming at us every day, full-on frontal attack right in our face. They did not bow. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound, thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now these were the strongest of their soldiers. These three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Well, it's over. The king's hand has shown his might and his power. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Were there not three men we tied up and threw into the fire? You see, now his eyes are beginning to play tricks on him. We threw three in there, right? Three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look. Look. I see four. Unbound, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, shout right at me, he's not going to bend it. You see, he's starting to shout now. <laughs> he's starting to turn into a preacher. Servants of the Most High God. What a revelation this man has had. This idol that I had 90 feet tall, 90 feet wide, it's nothing. You are the servants of the Most High God. Come out and come in. Wow. Wow. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around. Don't you love it now? They're ready to listen. What, what you guys want to say now? They're not over there. Hey, King, uh, I think there's some men who might not want to bow. And let me tell you who they are. No, they're listening. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. I can't get it within two miles of a fire without smelling it. Can you? 
You go to roast some weenies, do some s'more. You're going to smell like you've been around a fire. These three men had a man who was called Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the pre-incarnate Christ, who was walking around in the fire. I know my God. I know my God. He will deliver me out of your hand, O King. The problem in the church today is as a whole, we do not know our God. We get so many doubts and so many fears and pressures of this world and society and culture. And we start thinking wrong. We've got to get back to the place. Listen, I don't know what culture says. I don't care what it says. I know my God. And I know that He is able to deliver me out of all situations. I know my God. But if He does not, I will still serve Him. And I'm hearing Christians today who go through furnace trial experiences in the middle of it. They're saying... If there is a God, if you are real, that line has to be drawn now. I know in whom I have believed. And whether I'm in a field or whether I'm in the furnace, that conviction does not change. You may say, well, Pastor, you haven't been through any furnaces. Walk with me for a week. I'm constantly in hot water with somebody. I'm constantly getting emails and texts from somebody. But i got to tell you, this preacher, preaching the word for 30-something years, I still have the truth that is embedded in my heart that was put there the day I received him as Lord and Savior. I'm knowing who I have in me, and he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask for him. Hallelujah. That will never change. And today we need to resolve I will draw a line in the sand and this will be the truth I live by. I've been through a lot of furnaces. And let me tell you something. I rely on the rock every time. And there's been times. As a matter of fact, today marks two years that we came out of a furnace in this church on Sunday morning. Two years ago on a Sunday morning, we walked back into the doors of this church because the enemy put us through two months of hell. Amen. We didn't even smell like smoke. We smelled like we'd been in the sweet fragrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's where we did our battle. In that. Our neighbors could tell you. They heard my wife walking around in the backyard. Circles. She was marching around Jericho I guess. Hands lifted up. Doing nothing but speaking in tongues. People go, speaking in tongues is not for today. Get in a furnace. Get in a furnace and you'll find out. Get in a place where it's hot. And the enemy's coming against you with everything he's got. He's heated it up seven times hotter for you. And you'll find out where your lines are. But we've got to resolve to get them done ahead of time. Sometimes we are delivered from the furnace. Other times we are delivered in the furnace. God will allow us to go through hard things. But he will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't ever doubt that he will be right there in the fire with you. Because he is 
Always. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God. There was a praise offering about to happen. Church is about to break out. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives. Rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, don't you love kings and decrees? They always want to make a speech. I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they be cut into pieces. I'm not doing the first thing again. That didn't work. It's time they're cut into pieces. And their houses turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can say it in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Yeah. And then, can't you see all those astrologers and all those people over there, enchanters and all? Oh, whoa, what? They're our boss now? We... <laughs> God promotes because there were men who did not shift with the sand of the culture. They had it wonderful in Israel. It was great. And their names reminded them of God, Jehovah. But over here, their names were stripped. The language was stripped. Culture was stripped. And yet they said there's something inside of me. Something inside of me. That will not let me defy my life. I will not defile my body. I will not defile my mind. I will not defile my spirit with the things of culture. Because we stand upon a rock. Would you stand with me this morning, church? God brought a plan with the Israelites into the nation of Babylon. You see, the Babylonians were mean, mean people. If you do some church studies, you'll find a lot of times when the Babylonians took captives, the way they took them captive and led them into Babylon is they put these big hooks up through their, their throat right here, hang it on their bottom jaw, and, the, and these hooks were uh, lined in chains, and that's the way they paraded them back as captives. In our culture today, our culture is getting real mean, real harsh. If you're a man or woman of God who has principles and you build your life upon the Word of God, get ready for reaction. Because you're going to be laughed at and you're going to be mocked, made fun of. Nowadays, teenagers are being made fun of because they're virgins. You mean your 15 is still a virgin? Oh. What? What's happened? The sands have shifted. And as a church, we should be very concerned. Our kids go to school in just a few days. In the last few days of the last school year, we had students shooting other students. Killing them with no remorse. Stands have shifted. When I was in school, I remember the worst thing we got in trouble for was chewing gum in class. And if we had a fight, it was a fist fight. 
Now, I went to school in Mississippi, and I'm going to tell you, in my pickup truck in the parking lot was a gun rack behind the back seat. It had a 12-gauge shotgun and a 20-gauge shotgun loaded. And under the seat was a 410 for shooting snakes. But if any of us got in a fight, we didn't think about running and getting a gun. We just had a fist fight. Fight it out, we're done. Nowadays, the sands have shifted. The first response is get a gun and kill everybody. As a church, we need to pray. It's a great old song. We're about to wrap this up. But hey, I didn't preach last week, so you've got to give me some credit. There's a great old song that we need to sing together. And I want us to make a resolve today. Joshua made this resolve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Last time, my grandson was a little fussy. And I said, we are only happy at Poppy's house. Only happy. We don't do fussing at Poppy's house. And he shaped right up. Because in my house, we're happy. Not fussing. And in my house, we serve God. We say thank you and please and yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes sir and no sir. And we honor the word of God. And I believe it's time for the church to once again take a stand and, and draw a line in the sand and say this is as far as we go. Culture is bombarding us. We can change the channels. Culture is bombarding us with language. We can deafen our ears. But the hard part is when other churches, other church family starts whispering. Hard not to listen to it. There's an old song that goes like this. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Oh, message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.